1: Welcome in to another episode of the It's Utah's World Podcast. Tom Hackett, normally joined by Steve Bartle. Steve's not with us. Trevor Allen, <laughs> T-Dog, is with us. Former, I shouldn't say former, what am I talking about? Current. I've never
0: played football. No, I
1: know, I know, I, know. I nearly said like former colleague, I, I know, which is, I guess, technically true because you were at 700 when I was there, but current colleague and fellow peer of mine at kslsports.com. He is the Utah Insider for... KSLSports.com, um, which is very exciting. So we're, we're thrilled to have to have Trevor on. Steve is 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 out, so we look forward to his return whenever that may be. Before we get into things, and we have a we have a fun show. Netway Subaru is of course our sponsor. We do greatly appreciate them. Twenty one oh seven South Main Street is where you can find them. They've uh, they've also got a website, Netway.com, and and you can you can you can get anything you need done on the website. You don't have to go down to the dealership. So. Check out the website um, and, and see if, if they can help you. But if you do need to go down to the dealership, wear a mask, stay socially distant, and, and please respect others. But, but without Nate Wade Subaru, this podcast would not be would not be doable. So we love and adore and thank them very, very much. All right, Trev, on this show, this is what I want to talk about. We've got transfer gossip and news that we need to get to. Quinton Ganther, former running back for the U, he's headed to Jacksonville to join forces with Urban Meyer. Trev had the insight on that. He broke the story, so we'll touch on that. EA Sports is coming back with the new college football game. Um, And we'll start with a recap of of yesterday's National Signing Day, Trev, because that's kind of your bread and butter. So fill us in on on what all took place. By the way, hey, I need to quickly say Crimson Corner podcast is another podcast on KSL Sports that you ought to check. Trevor Allen's the host there. Trevor, it's all yours.
0: Uh, yeah, it was a very uneventful day because Kyle Whittingham and his coaching staff did all of the damage, uh, back in December in the early signing period. I mean, really all all they did was announce that there were four guys that they picked up via the transfer portal, which I'm sure you and Steve have talked about extensively on here with the uh, two quarterbacks and two running backs. Um, and then, you know, there, there were some other moves that happened as well, um, either on that Tuesday or on Wednesday. Uh, Brian Thompson is gone, uh, chose to enter the portal. And then uh, Jalen Dixon, who entered the portal during camp last year, is now coming back. He took his name out of the portal and has already joined the team and is doing workouts and all that stuff right now. So, uh, yeah, that was the only news. I mean, really, the only thing that was puzzling, and I think Steve would probably know this better than I do because that is his main bread and butter is all the recruiting is Michael Mocha the woods cross kid. Um, he, he, you know, verbally committed just before the early signing period, didn't sign during the early signing period. It didn't sign on national signing day on Wednesday. So that one, I'm kind of curious, but then, uh, you know, obviously some walk-ons, um, committed as well and signed. And then, uh, Utah got a, a blue shirt kid, um, who is an athlete? He'll probably play safety in uh, Bryant Reeves. So, other than that, it's been it was a very uneventful National Signing Day for Utah football.
1: Nice. Hey, so um, like you mentioned, they did most of the damage um, during the early signing period uh, in December. Uh, the only real thing I have to add is I was speaking to a player not long ago, must have been last week, briefly, and he was saying. Uh, Peter Castelli is uh, is is somebody to, to keep an eye on. Now, this player was telling me that, that the chances of, of Castelli starting at quarterback in, in 2021 slim, and, and for obvious reasons, Cam Rising's going to return in full camp, and you've got Charlie Brewer from Baylor, who's a, a four-year starter and a grad transfer, and then uh, Jaquinton Jackson from Texas, who's who I think is also more of more of a um, developmental product right now. He's got a few kinks in his game that he needs to sort through, but but he's somebody that they could potentially use in 2021. Nonetheless, Peter Castelli was was the second fastest player, Trev, on the Utah football team as it relates directly to the shuttle drills that they conducted. They did testing a few weeks ago, um, and this is normal. They normally will test players at different periods throughout the year but but they were testing a few weeks ago. Peter Castelli is is a quarterback, he's a four-star talent, he can sling it um, but he's also very dynamic with his feet. Uh, and he's a tall fella as well, he's 6'3", three, yeah. three. So to to hear that he's um outrunning some of the younger guys, some of the um, the faster, the younger, smaller guys play defensive back wide receiver type of thing. That's yeah, very impressive, Trev. So he's, a, he's an athlete to keep an eye on moving forward, I'd say.
0: Yeah, he, he's definitely a name that we're going to be talking about. And and as you mentioned, probably not in 2021, um, he would have to really blow the doors off of the, the, the uh, coaching staff in order for him to be able to be in contention for that. But I think – um, it's going to be critical of him to really hone in and just take everything in of what he's going to be learning from Andy Ludwig, from Cam Rising, from Charlie Brewer, from all of those guys. Because come, you know, say his sophomore, junior year, we're going to be talking about him, you know, you know, being in, in the mix for that starting job. I mean, I'm guessing Cam's going to be here for at least three years. Um, and, you know, Charlie Brewer, I think, is that emergency quarterback that that, that you use if the healing – of cam rising doesn't go as planned right now. From what I've seen, I know his dad, I think tweeted out, you know, a couple weeks ago that he's on schedule and actually head of schedule, um, but still is not going to be able to do anything until fall camp. So I I think that it's, I mean, really Utah set for a while at quarterback um, because they're, you know, obviously Peter's in there. You've got JJ, um, the, the uh, Texas transfer and then, Um, they even got a, a, a verbal commitment from a kid in the 2022 class in, in JP Zamora. So I think Utah set at quarterback for a long, long time. And this is something Tom, that we normally don't talk about is that Utah set at quarterback. We're always talking about making potential changes. And I know that in, in 2020, we had that issue when Jake Bentley, um, wasn't playing well at times and it, and it led to him being benched in that last game. And Drew List came in and, and saved the day. And so um, I think that that this is probably the first time in the Pac-12 era that Utah football is actually very solid at quarterback.
1: Yeah, no, I I think you probably hit the nail on the head there, Trev. The the quarterback position is one that requires a lot of conversation uh, because it is the most important position on any football team. But it's also a position that over the years, whether you like it or not, Kyle Whittingham is just he's had a hard time figuring out how to get the most out of his quarterbacks. Um, I thought Tyler Huntley did a tremendous job during his career, specifically the longer it went on at Utah, but, but even still, look, he struggled with injury. Um, and part of that, you can't control, but part of it, you can, you've, you know, you've got to make sure that what you're doing throughout any given week during the season is, 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 is good and, and not too tiresome. Um so it'll be an interesting conversation, but I'm with you. I think Utah's looking pretty solid right now at the quarterback spot. Hey, let's, let's carry conversation forward. I, I received a handful of text messages, Trev, a few days ago when um, Utah's beloved wide receiver, Brian Thompson, decided he was going to go into the transfer portal. What can you tell us about the decision to enter the transfer portal from, from Brian Thompson?
0: Well, once you got text messages, you obviously texted me, and then that was when I sent out a few text messages to my, to my sources as well. And, you know, at first it wasn't looking like that, that, was, that it really happened. And then as, as the day progressed, I got a text from a source saying that, um, you know, he did talk to Kyle Whittingham and that it looked like he was going to be leaving. Um, obviously, it's, it's a big-time hit for the offense. Um, he's a guy who is a deep ball threat. He's a taller body. Um, But the problem is, Tom, and you know this just as well as I do, Utah is a tight end, running back heavy offense. And that's where those players shine. And, you know, we, we saw spurts from Brian Thompson in 2019. He had some great games. Tyler Huntley had a great connection with him. I think he averaged like, what, 25 yards per catch in 2019, which was, I think it led the nation or was top two. And, you know, In in 2020, you could kind of tell just by his body language that either, A, he wasn't healthy, or, B, he was very frustrated with how he was being used within the offense because Britton Covey was getting used, Um, and then, you know, Brant Keithy, even though he didn't score a touchdown, was uh, number two on on Utah's uh, stats as far as receiving goes, and, you know, Brian Thompson just really wasn't seen other than that one touchdown against Washington he really wasn't a force, you know, to be reckoned with or anything. And so I think that that had, you know, played a factor in where he wanted to go. And, you know, especially when you're having to change quarterbacks again, because Bentley obviously went into the portal and, and Cam's coming off of an injury and you're bringing in two more quarterbacks and, you know, you have to gain chemistry again. So I think it, it just added up Tom and to, to the point. And, you know, I haven't talked to to Brian Thompson or anything. I'm more just, just from what I've seen from my vantage point from 2020, is that he just had enough, and he he wants to be more involved within the offense.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. I I think um, so. So I cupped a bit of slack actually because I said, and and, and again, I, I'm okay if people disagree with me. It doesn't it doesn't bother me a ton. But I, I I went ahead and said Brian Thompson's the best wide receiver Utah's had in the Pac-12 era, which. Is up for debate, you know, and, and I guess we could debate all day as to whether or not that's 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 accurate or not. When you look at the numbers, you'd say, well, that's not true. There are there are the players that have played in the Pac-12 era under Kyle Whittingham that produced better. Um, Darren Carrington, the, the the Oregon transfer a few years ago, is one of them. But but what I was trying to get at, um, and maybe maybe people misunderstood, was. Just from an from his from an attribute standpoint, I I'm I'm a firm believer that Brian Thompson is an NFL caliber wide receiver, and 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 only time will tell as to whether or not I'm right. But I I do firmly believe. Look, there's a reason Trev he had like three or four targets maximum a game. He came down with 80, 90 percent of them, you know, and a lot of those routes are go routes up the sideline when you've got a defensive back dragging on your your coattails and and he's coming down making making a pretty difficult catch um and i think that's that's
0: concerning for utah fans because uh he he needed to be more involved would you agree yeah he did need to be more involved and i would even say the same about brant keithy the fact that he didn't have a single touchdown catch in the five games in 2020 blows my mind um but it also means that there were issues within the passing game of utah's offense and you know tom we also couldn't predict what Ty Jordan was going to do in 2020 because going into camp Ty was the number four running back as far as the by committee and I I I do that in air quotes because it was Devin Brumfield Jordan Wilmore and then it was Ty Jordan and Bernard that those those were the guys that that were going to be the the guys who were going to be getting carries in 2020 and you know, so we also thought that it was going to be because there was a lot of veterans coming back, Brian Thompson, Samson Nakua, Britton Covey, Solomon Enos. Those guys coming back thought that, okay, we have a veteran quarterback in Jake Bentley, which we all thought was going to be him at first. And then things changed. You know, I would say about camp is when we all thought that, you know, it was going to be rising. And, you know, we, we obviously heard that it was him and ended up being him. But, you know, just seeing that and having that, that chemistry, we thought that the passing game was going to be ahead of the running game. And that just wasn't the case because Ty Jordan exploded and, and it started from his first carry against USC. Then you're also getting Britton Covey more involved in different ways. So that then takes away touches from Brian Thompson. And then you're also trying to get Brant Keithy involved because I know Kyle Whittingham said at least two or three times during the season that Brant Keithy needs to, needed to be involved within the offense more and that it was something that he and Andy Ludwig had talked about a lot. So then that also takes away carries from Brian Thompson. So when you have an offense that doesn't throw the ball, I would say you probably throw the ball 30% of the time and you're running 70 or doing some kind of running play like jet sweep or anything like that. Then you're already given a lot of the workload as far as targets to Britton Covey and Brant Keithy. That's going to take away a ton from Brian Thompson, and then that was enough.
1: Yeah. So I, I think a lot of the frustration is coming because uh, from the fans, I should say, coming from the fans uh, simply due to the fact that last year was a team that was albeit quite young. Uh, and and I think that's a talking point in its own self. But but it also did have a lot of talented players on the offensive side. Uh, and a lot of those players were, were quite experienced. Being, Brian Thompson being one of them. Brant Keith, you mentioned, Britton Covey. Uh, Samson Nakua and, and Solomon Ines are two quality receivers that, that really haven't done uh, as well as I'm sure many of the fans ha- had once hoped. And, uh, and then the emergence of Ty Jordan came into play. I mean, if you if you just look at it on paper, now that we've had time or, or a few months to kind of digest the 2020 campaign, I mean, it, it really was a very talented group. And I think what Coach Witt has done traditionally is he's, he's singled out his players offensively that are also in informed players. So, so Ty Jordan's running the Rockwell, we're going to feed that man 25 plus carries a game, as opposed to, and so what happens then is, and I guess the point I'm trying to make here is for somebody like Brian Thompson, who doesn't get the ball, the ball thrown his way at time, but when it does get thrown, he generally comes down with the catch. If he's only getting four reset for um, four looks a game, it's, it's it's very difficult to find any sort of momentum um and I think that's that's part of the frustration for Utah fans is can we can we do a better job of, of sharing the wealth um and becoming less predictable? Because offensively, under Carl Whittingham, traditionally speaking, it would be under my opinion that that Utah's been a pretty a, a, a pretty predictable team. And and it's probably one of the reasons where in short yardage situations. Uh, they get stuffed as frequently as they do, because because teams know what what they're trying to accomplish, and it's and it's run run the ball down down the guts type of thing. Um, and 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 so I think that's kind of that, that's at least my opinion when it comes to Brian Thompson is he wasn't receiving nearly as many looks as he should have, and Utah consequently was becoming too one dimensional one dimensional and predictable. Uh, which shouldn't have ever been the case when you just look at the wealth of talent they had at their disposal. Um, and it's been something. Look, Kyle Woodingham struggled in that area. Um, would you agree?
0: Yeah, and Kyle's even mentioned it that you know, like for instance, that uh, game against Oregon State, where Utah was ahead but then Oregon state was, was starting to climb back into it. And Utah turned the ball over on downs twice in that fourth quarter. Luckily the defense held off Oregon state enough. I mean, they, you know, still allowed points, but there were, there were consecutive plays where it was just running the ball up the middle for three consecutive plays. And then on fourth down, you try to do the same thing. And by then they already know what you're going to do. And Kyle Whittingham pointed it out that their offense was just too vanilla. And that Andy Ludwig needed to change some things up. And so I think that that was part of the reason why, you know, you look at it, Utah is very predictable, where you know that they're going to run the ball 25 times, they're always going to have a solid running back, no matter who's back there. And then you'll only throw the ball whenever it's like third and long, or, you know, you try to have some sort of trick play. And then on defense, they're just going to be physical and focus on stopping the run. And, and, and allow the back end to do their, their job and as far as stopping the big-time plays. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Utah is very predictable offensively because now they all know that the, either the tight ends are going to be involved either in the throw game or as far as running plays. Britton Covey is going to be a big part of it too because of his quickness. But not only that, he's also a big-time threat on special teams, and it's all about the running game. So, yeah, I think that, you know, I, I, I want to say I was shocked that, that Brian Thompson entered the portal, but in, in, in all reality, I'm not. Because this is something that has happened a lot with a lot of the wide receivers. But Utah's had a, a lot of players transfer in 2020 anyway, just due to the fact that they either were not made a starter or were not going to get playing time, and so they left.
1: Yeah, uh, it's, it's so frustrating um, to watch from afar and just see it all unfold because uh you just get the sense that that there are solutions to some of these issues and it's not like these are issues and concerns that have only come up recently i mean this this is you know struggling to throw the football is something that 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 Utah's had such a difficult time doing for a decade now i mean really since Brian Thompson, Brian um Johnson left is is the last quarterback that that Utah had um, a lot of success throwing the football? So it's it's agitating and it's frustrating. I think the fans again pretty fed up with it to be honest. And and I'm under the impression Trev that in order in order to in order to take the program to the next level. Um, so to go back a little bit, I, I think you were talking about how Coach Witt and and Utah ha- always has a good running back, and they run the football effectively. And furthermore, they play great defense, and hopefully, they have a decent punter and a decent kicker on special teams to kind of bail them out when need be. And I want to admit that that theory or that method is a winning strategy. It really is. Like, like, and Coach Witt, I don't know what his overall record is, but but I gotta I gotta imagine it's about sixty seventy odd percent strike yeah. rate. you I'll, know, I'll, I'll which look is,
0: it will as you're talking, but yeah, you're 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 around that. Which is like, yeah,
1: that's like he's not going to get fired anytime soon because because you can't fire somebody that wins that frequently but but to take the program to the next level Trevor, i, I I'm a firm believer that that you have to be able to be more explosive on on offense you just have to I mean like in today's day and age there's there's like a certain number of points that you have to be able to consistently put up in order to hang out hang around with the big boys in college football and I think you and I have spoken about this off off the record. Nick Saban's a great example of this. Nick Saban is a coach um, who, who was known and, and still is to a certain extent for his, his his brilliant defensive mind. And he used to win national championships to the tune of 14 to 10 type thing, you know, and now – you know, you look at what he was able to accomplish in 2020. They're the number one offense in the country, and they average 49 points a game. I'm not saying Utah needs to average 49 points a game, but, but they need to average anywhere between 27 to 35. And 35 is pretty decent. 27, you, you're going to be in just about every game you play. Um, it's just very frustrating because Utah is so close to making that jump. They really are. Defensively, they're so sound. Uh, offensively, they're too one dimensional. Did you figure out what his winning percentages? 67%. Oh, there you go. Right, 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 kind of in the ballpark but, I was talking about. You
0: know, about. to go off of the whole Alabama thing, they also had three, three guys that were in the top five as far as Heisman finalists Andre Harris, Devontae Smith, and Mac Jones.
1: Yeah, no, I know. It's, it's hard to compete. But, <laughs> I'm not but, saying. But that's also something Saban
0: does. Sabin normally has guys on defense who who could potentially be in contention for the Heisman trophy.
1: Yeah. Because
0: I, that's his bread and butter, but you're absolutely right. Saban's kind of got with the times and changed his offense up and that's why Sarks in Texas now. Yeah. So to move the conversation forward, to keep it flowing, uh, I want to I want to transition to start talking a bit about Jalen
1: Dixon because this is an an inter- interesting uh, and also a sad subject um that that we do need to be a, a tad careful with um so essentially what what happened was uh he had he had covid last year is is my understanding and he did have a difficult time getting himself back into shape to 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 then compete for the upcoming season um and i guess his his attitude also changed a little bit and he was starting to not work as hard as he needed to to prove himself to the rest of his teammates and coaches that he was a, a reliable target on the offensive unit. Um, he went into the transfer portal and he, and he decided that that physically he needs to get himself better prepared, but also mentally, Trev. He he noticed that, that mentally he just wasn't, wasn't quite the same person he maybe once was. Um, and so now he's returning and, and he's a new man. He's, he's 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 really worked hard at bettering himself from a physical and mental standpoint. And I think that's I think that's impressive. And that, and that's exciting. And Utah welcomed him back with open arms. So so congratulations first and foremost to Jalen Dixon for working on that. Um, and and I think Utah fans are thrilled thrilled to see him return because he is somebody that. Can get downfield and and make a few big plays. He, he did a great job of that in uh, what was that twenty nineteen season, mm-hmm. I think. I'm getting all the years mixed up now. But what 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 do you make of his return, Trev? And
0: do you think he's somebody that that could be a key member in in twenty twenty one for Utah? I thought it was massive, especially given what happened with with Brian Thompson and what we just talked about. That yeah. You know, it, it's another threat. But on top of that, of what Dixon can do that Brian Thompson really can't do, even though Utah did it once with uh, Brian Thompson, um, was using him in the run game. And, you know, to where you now have two wide receivers in Britton Covey and in Jalen Dixon who can do the jet sweep and, you know, really gain some yards and, and kind of throw defenses off. Um, but he's also a guy who, who can catch a, a deep ball, and he's a very fast wide receiver. Um, I, I think that he and Britton Covey are up there amongst the fastest in the Pac-12. Um, but that but that's going to be huge for Utah because if, if you're going to want to open up the playbook a little bit and start throwing the ball downfield, those are going to be guys who you're going to be targeting. And so I think for him to come back, I think, was was massive. But I also get get the sense, Tom, do you feel like, a reason why he came back was that there wasn't going to be an opportunity at, at Utah State because I know that when he entered the portal, you and I both messaged back and forth. He's going to Utah State because he has a great relationship with Jason Shelley. But since Jason Shelley got kicked off the football team, that kind of closed his door.
1: Yeah. It's been well documented that, that Shelley and, and Dixon were high school teammates. Uh, back down there in Texas, and so they obviously knew each other well. And and, and since then, obviously, a lot's transpired at, at Utah State. It, it's been a tad chaotic. I think is probably <laughs> the best word to use. Uh, and, and Jason Shelley's no longer no longer at Utah State, so that had to have played some role, right? That 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 had to have had some sort of impact with with his decision to return. I, look, I also think that that for certain players. Um, Maybe Jalen Dixon's one of them maybe maybe he isn't he he he's determined to change the narrative for Utah on the offensive side like if you're a true competitor and you have talent you know part of you must think that, that you're capable of of changing the, the, the culture or, or or the way of the way of offensive productivity at Utah, you know, like like maybe he's returning to prove himself and to say, look, there's this stigma that Utah can't throw the football. Well, screw that. You know, I'm going to come and prove that wrong. Single-handedly going to come and, and show that, that that I'm good enough to get open. And if the quarterback's good enough to see me, we're going to win a lot of games simply based on on those two things. So that, that could also be part of it, which… very well could be which I think is, is, is also exciting for Utah fans. Um, hey, I want to I get to this because, because you put a lot of work uh, and effort into this story, Trev. Um, somebody you've gotten to know and, and somebody that, that, that I've known now for a few years, Coach Q, as he as we know him by, Quinton Ganther, uh former running back at Utah, uh, long-time Weber State assistant coach. He was there for quite a few years, really. Um, he's moving to Jacksonville, Trev, to, to – Go hang out with old pal Urban Meyer at the Jags. How did how did that happen? I mean, that's that's pretty cool to go from Weber State
0: to the Jacksonville Jaguars in the in the National Football League. Let's just say that uh, Coach Q is probably really sick of me by now, um, <laughs> because he and I have been texting almost daily since the rumors started floating that Urban Meyer was interested in the Jacksonville job. Um, there was something that you know and. I I feel like I I could say this now, especially since he already has the uh, job in in Jacksonville. But there was a time when Urban was not coaching and he was really impressed with what Quinton has done at Weber State um, that he he told Quinton whenever I he's like, if I get back into coaching again, I, I want you to be my my running backs coach. And. I guess he he stuck to his word as far as hiring him because right now he's not going to be the running backs coach at least as of right now. I'm sure that that'll transpire maybe in a couple years, but right now he's going to be an offensive assistant coach. Um, But it's just an absolutely great story, Tom, because I've gotten to know Quinton so back in April of 2020. Okay, right, right
1: at the start of the pandemic, basically,
0: and that was when Tom we were all trying to get creative on Uh on our content. And I, uh, I was talking to Sly, Stevenson, Sylvester, and we uh, came up with an idea to do this stream called the Great Ute debate mm. where we had two members from the 4 team that won the Fiesta Bowl, went undefeated, coached by Urban Meyer, uh, debate with the 2008 team, two guys from there, and that was the team that won the Sugar Bowl, beat Alabama under Kyle Whittingham. Right. So we had Sly. And Brian Johnson from the 08 team, and Eric Weddle and Quinton Ganther from the, uh, 2014. And that was when I really started to get to know Quinton. Cause then I did another stream, with just the 2004 guys. We had John Madsen, um, Paris Warren, Quinton, uh, Morgan Scally, And we did have Steve Savoy until he got out of hand a little bit. <laughs> mm. Um, But I, you know, I got to know him over the time and just talking with him. I really got to know him as a person because then I also had him on the podcast to talk about his story. And Tom, here's a, here's a guy who grew up in, in, in the inner city in Northern California in the Bay area. And he was a guy that, you know, his, his parents were in, in trouble with drugs and, you know, constantly in and out of jail. He didn't have that stability at home and then ends up, you know, wanting to play baseball, but then also played football, ended up going to junior college, and Urban Meyer went to go recruit him, and they met on, on the tennis courts at Citrus Junior College. Right. And that was the whole conversation that like sparked because Quinton could have gone anywhere as far as a JUCO transfer to any school on the West Coast. But he had an instant connection with Urban. And even though he wasn't the starting running back, for utah in 2004 he still nearly had a thousand yards rushing and had a great relationship with with urban the entire time even when he went to florida and then uh you know the buckeyes and then with fox and quinton's a big reason why i got to interview urban meyer on the crimson corner podcast right and that's still to this day the best interview i've ever done in my entire career um yeah but anyway so kind of just Fast forwarding, he then becomes a student assistant coach after his career in the NFL. And um, he, he went back to go get his degree at Utah in 2012. And that was uh, – and so he went to be a student assistant. It wasn't a graduate assistant. It was just a student assistant. And Jay Hill was the running backs coach. So he got to know Jay Hill. And then Jay Hill got the job up at Weber and – brought him over immediately to be the running backs coach. And since then Quinton's coached six running backs that have either become all Americans or all, all big sky honorees. No, it's impressive, Um, man. I mean, the guy can recruit and I was talking to him on the phone. Let's see. It was, it was uh, two nights ago. It was, it was his last night in Salt Lake city before he was heading to Jacksonville. And he was in tears, Tom, well, because sure. he was heartbroken by having to leave his boys. Well, that season's just about to
1: start, huh?
0: Yeah, and you know they're they're national title contenders this year. Weber State's going to be really really good. Yeah, and so you know, so one, but as far as him get, getting the job, it was really that Urban was uh, putting his staff together. Quinton was texting him. Um, and then it kind of just came to him where he just urban called him up and said, I want you to come here. And, you know, Tom, you can't pass something up when you go from Weaver state to the NFL. You just can't pass that up. Yeah. Quite a jump. And so Um, I'm really happy for him. He's earned it because he has absolutely been one of the best running backs coaches in the entire country. But if anything, I've also gained a friend out of this and just to see what he's done. Um, to make this jump. I think it's massive. I mean, you don't go from being a student assistant coach right out of playing in the NFL to being a running backs coach for a a team out of the big sky to go into the NFL without having some kind of work ethic. It's, I mean, yeah, he, if he wouldn't have had that job if it wasn't for urban, but the fact that he worked his butt off to gain that kind of respect.
1: Yeah. Uh, It's a, it's a, it's a really cool story. Um, and it just so happens that, that Coach Q's one of the one of the cooler dudes going around. He's he's one of the nicer guys. Uh and he means well and he, he wants the best for his players and that's his, his priority. Um is just to make sure that they're they're good and they're growing as men and they're maturing and they're making good decisions and they're playing good football. And so far it's worked out for him. So I, I personally look, I'm 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 rapt for him, really. I I think it's a it's a cracking story. Um and one that I'm sure will be told uh, by quite a few people over the coming months and, and years and and the immediate future. So uh, we would just personally like to thank coach Q for his time at Weber State. Thanks for the friendship. And we, we look forward to carrying continuing, I should say following his journey uh, through the coaching ranks um, and what a world that is. But again, another time for uh, another story for another time. Hey, there was some pretty crazy news, Trev, that happened earlier this week. And I know one you're very excited about. So you're, do you consider yourself a gamer, Trev?
0: Absolutely. And so, some might say that I am maybe, well, some might say some, meaning my wife, that maybe I game a little too much. Oh, okay. Um, Are you to like the point a... where I actually lose sleep. Um, oh. I'd rather sacrifice hours of sleep than, and play video games than sleep and not play video games.
1: Okay, so are you like, like, how hardcore are we talking? Are you like Cheeto Puffs, Monster Energy Drink type no, status? No, no,
0: no, no. I'm more of a wife and, and wife goes, goes to bed about 1030 at night, uh, especially on a work night. Um, son goes to bed about eight o'clock. So when, when the wife goes to bed, um, that's when I hop on the sticks and play until probably about one in the morning. Oh, Trev. And then get up around 8 to take my, my son to school. Um, and yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with seven hours of sleep. I mean, right now I've been on the NBA 2K kick, but I would obviously be on the college football video game kick um, all the time if that was the case. I mean, Tom, I, you and I have actually done streams of, of the college football video game during, during this last summer yeah. when Utah football wasn't playing.
1: Yeah, so so okay. To fill people in, EA Sports announced it must have been Monday. Uh, it must have been on Monday. I should have said, it was earlier this yeah. week that they're going to re- they're going to return the the college football game uh, back to the, to their consoles. So uh, look, very little detail surrounds the release. This is what I've figured out. You know, through through following other people that that have sources. I guess 2023 is when they're hoping to release the game. So it's not going to be for a couple of years. So. So for all you you gaming junkies out there, just just calm down. Uh, you're gonna have to wait a couple of years, but but you will eventually get the college football game back. Uh, and I think a few things have to play out. Trev, uh, the player likeness uh, issue that the NCAA's faced now for multiple years, they're gonna have to figure out a way to sort that out. Uh, because the reason the reason the game left us in the first place, to fill everybody in, is there was a a lawsuit that uh, a few people. Uh, or former players um, issued because, you know, they weren't getting paid for their likeness. And that's an issue. If you're going to make money off me, then I at least deserve a little compensation. And and so that's kind of why the game stopped in and of itself. But now that player likeness is returning or it's going to be allowed, um, brings back the game, Trev. So, I mean, like this broke the internet for a full day earlier this week. What was your reaction?
0: Well, obviously, 2021 is already better than 2020. I'll say that right mm. now. But uh, as far so I, I did a little more digging because I was really excited about this. So I, I was reading some stories, and ESPN caught up with the uh, G, uh, vice president, I think, and general manager of EA Sports. And basically what they're going to do, the name, image, and likeness outcome is not going to impact the game. What oh, okay. also was was part of it, Tom, is that teams – so college programs were having their logos and brand used in the game without compensation. So oh. what they did, they went and partnered up with the licensing people um, that, that handle all of that back work as far as dealing with the brands and the names. So there, there were already some schools who were initially on that because like, for instance, NBA 2K, you have a, my, my career mode, and to where you, you know, create a guy and, and then you go through playing at the high school level, but then you get to choose college. There's only a few colleges you get to choose, like UConn, um, Clemson, USC, um, you know, it's probably 10 schools the most that you get to pick. And so obviously that's not going to be enough for a video game, for a college football video game. Um, so they went and partnered with them. So that part's going to be fine of what you could do is just do random player names and numbers for these programs if the name, image, and likeness does not um, pan out in their favor. Um, right. I think it will. I mean, we've all, we've all thought that it will. It's just a matter of you know, when it's going to happen, and it was supposed to happen, but then COVID hit. Right. But to say that I am excited is an understatement for this game. Um, I, I told my wife, because I have an Xbox One. I don't have the Xbox Series X or the PS5 or anything like that. I mean, Tom, we, we, we work in sports media. We're, we're broke, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, you actually probably could use your, your paycheck that you got from the, from the New York Jets to buy you a new console, right?
1: Oh, $86.83, Trevor. I still
0: remember you keeping that check. <laughs> Just keeping it pinned up on your desk. Um, but I was telling my wife, I said, look, I got to get a new Xbox now. She's like, no, you already have one. Uh, and, and she's like, why do you need one? I said, because the new college football video game is coming out, and it's only coming out on Xbox Series X and PS5. And so I wouldn't be able to play it, But then I told her, I said, it's looking like 2022, 2023. She's like, okay, well, then you can save up. So, Tom, I'm going to need to talk to Nate Dowdle, our boss, about getting some overtime because mm. I need that Xbox Series X.
1: Yes, Trev, you got
0: to feed. By 2023, let's do it. Feed the beast. Yes. Let's do yes. this. Yes. Oh, so, what about you, Tom? Exciting. Are you? I mean, I know, I know that you came onto the college football scene. You you came over to the U.S. to play college football. Mm. But were, were you into the video games much when 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 you came over, or or even before you came over to the United States? No, I like
1: I like a, a good old video game. I I was in FIFA, the soccer game, for a long time. But basically the majority of my life, my brothers and I would just spend hours. Screaming and punching each other over the the, the video game, the FIFA, and uh, I don't play it as much now. I will admit, uh, especially because I mean, of the kid, right? Yeah, the kid had to play in that. Yes, it does uh, I do mean, that. there's a golf game I like a lot, NBA Two K. I can I can hang in Madden. you know, it's all fun and games. In fact, I when I first got to the states, the NCAA video game was still going
0: around. I do remember playing it. Um, I think you were on it. Well, maybe. Yeah, I can't quite because can't quite that. Remember. that- because that that last edition came out on twenty in twenty thirteen yeah. for the twenty fourteen season, so you were at Utah, right? Yeah, I would have been ranked probably about a thirty two with uh, maybe uh, no, ten. You would have you would have been speed. like a ninety eight as far as coffin kicking and all that stuff. Whatever oh. accolades <laughs> are for punters, oh, it's funny no idea, stuff. Other than the accuracy and the power,
1: I know. Yeah, no, yeah. So yeah, to answer your question, I'm, I am looking forward to it without question. I'm not nearly as giddy as maybe yourself because you grew up on the game, but, but by all means, I'm going to buy the game and I'm going to play it and I'm going to take Utah to the heights that Carl Whittingham cannot
0: and we'll be on our I've merry way. I've already on, on this last game. I've already got a, a, a dynasty going on, on 2014 because I, I still have my, my older Xbox as well, which right. is what that, that game's for. And I mean, I guess I held on to it for good reason. Um, it's it's still hanging in there i'm surprised because at times like when the fan starts blowing it sounds like a car that's needing to go to the shop um so it's it's on its last leg that xbox is not not my xbox one but um i let's just say i beat saban's record even now for most national titles with utah nice (laughs) nice uh it's good Good stuff um All right, Trev, there's a a fair bit to
1: unpack there. I think we've hit everything that we were planning on. I do want to reiterate, Crimson Corner Podcast is where you can hear Trevor uh, more in depth. It's his podcast. It's Utah-centric. If you're a Utah basketball fan, that's the venue that you need to be attending. That's the space because we don't touch on Utah basketball on this podcast. He does on that one as well as football stuff. So, Crimson Corner podcast found wherever you download your podcasts. Sports.com is another website we recommend you going to. Trev, what's your, 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 your Twitter handles at Trevor A sports as well. Right.
0: Correct. Cool.
1: So check him out there. You can see all of his work. It's great stuff. He's the Utah insider for sportscom Do, does a tremendous job. So he would appreciate your, uh, your follow, but, um, Nonetheless, Trev, we, uh, we, we appreciate you, man, and uh, thank you for jumping on uh, and filling in for, for old Bartle. We hope Bartle is back with us sooner rather than later. Um, and, of course, Nate Wade Subaru is our sponsor, so we thank and adore them um, much. But, Trev, my man, enjoy enjoy the rest of your week, dude, dreaming about college football live or whatever they're going to call this thing. Just keep dreaming.
0: I might need to email them some ideas of, of, of how the game should run. Um, but no, Tom, it, I, I was flattered when you invited me to uh, fill in for Steve. I know that those are big shoes to fill, literally and figuratively. Mm. But, uh, you know, I'm happy to make my It's Utah's World podcast debut. You're a good man, Trev. We'll see you guys next week.